What is your freedom worth to you? Each of our guests had a light bulb moment. They longed to live rather than merely exist. They smashed through their fears and programmed minds, trusting themselves, their faith and their survival instincts. Leaving the guilt, fear, oppression and drudgery of their past. For a brighter future. They took a brave and courageous step into Freedom. This is their story of how they got a life. Welcome to Get a Life Podcast, Excult Conversations. You matter and so does your story. Hey everyone, welcome back to Get a Life Podcast, Excult Conversations. We are here today with Carmen and Richard and a very special guest, Alona. And I'm going to hand the mic over to her to inspire all the families that are still stuck inside and have one foot in and one foot out and are afraid of leaving due to their children. Her story, her their family story is such an inspiring success story that I know can help a lot of the families in there come to a conclusion and start working towards exiting that door. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Alona, and yeah, take it away. Okay. So my name's Alona, and I grew up in Nietzsche. I was a Hughes from Nietzsche. Um, and I met my husband. He came to Nietzsche to help with his aunt and uncle, um, Stanley Hughes, and that's how I met him. And I was... 14 or 15 and he was five years older than me and we fell in love right away and I knew I wanted to marry him and I knew I was going to marry him and I got to be I was 18 and we were we started talking about what would happen if we couldn't get married if they said no but we had a secret in our back pocket and we told on ourselves for having sex before we got married thinking that we probably could get married then because we had done this um and that those priestlies are or those those priestlies are uh, probably a whole nother podcast because some of the questions the questions were how they determined whether you had committed fornication. It was like, it had to have happened seven times. And he had to, if he didn't, if he spilled his seed, it wasn't considered fornication. So they had, they were asking me, an 18 year old, all these questions. And these had all come from Bruce Hales. Um, so they were getting all the details, whether we'd had bone sex, whether we had masturbated, how we had done it, what we had done every dirty, disgusting detail they needed to know to know how to proceed with our punishment, I guess. Um, and at that time, Jerry and I had decided that if they said, no, we couldn't get married, we were going to leave at that time. Mm -hmm. um, as of, I was very 100% brethren at that point, And I just 
prayed and prayed and prayed that they would say yes so that we didn't have to leave to get married. Um, and they did. Eventually they said, yep, we could get married and we had to get married before this was, so this was the end of May 2002 and we had to get married before the universal meetings in the beginning of June or the middle of June. So we chose June 4th and it was about a week, about a week we had to get married, to get ready wow. to get married. So we got married and we moved to, we lived in Stamford, Connecticut for two years. And then um, we didn't have, he didn't have a house. They were so expensive out there and he wasn't getting paid properly from his dad. It was just not a good thing. We were just going backwards. We couldn't afford a house. So I think it was my dad probably talked to Bruce Hales and inquired about us moving out back out to Nietzsche. Um, and he agreed that we should move to Nietzsche. And then we worked with like my brother-in-law and a few other people and they had just, they decided it was better for us to move to Pemina, which is a town 15 minutes away from Nietzsche. So we were still basically back in the Nietzsche vicinity. And so we moved to Pemina in May of 2003 with Martina had just turned one and we, we moved here. We finally had our own house and he had a job that he was getting paid regularly. Actually, my brother-in-law is Kurt Seed, that's Beth Seed's brother. And that's who he worked for. And it was it was good. It was a good thing. We weren't making very much money at all, but we felt we felt loved and taken care of. Like it was a good thing. But it was honestly, Martina was five. So four years later, Martina was five years old and she told me she wanted to be a vet. And I was like, Well, you can't be a vet, Martina. Like you have to go to college if you want to be a vet. And she's like, but what if God wants me to be a vet? Aww. And I was, I remember standing, I was making soup and I was standing at my stove and it, like, it still gives me goosebumps. I was like, yeah. hmm, like, what if he does want her to be a vet? Who am I to stand in the way of that? Mm -hmm. But I can't, I would have to stand in the way of that due to being brethren. And I was still very, very much brethren at the time, like, and I didn't let her know that I was, I didn't let her know that that question made me think anything at all, but it did. And then it was May of 20, May of 2010, I read a book by Alyssa Wall. Um, she's a girl that escaped the FLDS. Mm. And in that book, I was like, I am part of a cult. I'm in a cult. Wow. As clear as day, I was like, we, we're in a cult. And I was too scared to say anything to Jerry about it at the time. It was such a scary thing because I was like, where, where do I go from there? Like, mm -hmm. because I've, my, my faith has always been first and foremost. And that's a thing, like if, our story very much res revolves around our Christian faith. And if that is going to be a trigger for anyone, I would hope that maybe you can even put that as a warning because I don't want, I'm not here to preach at anybody at all. It's just been a huge, huge part of our story. So it will mm -hmm. come up. Um, so, yeah, so that was May of 
May of 2010, right? Or 2008, I can't remember. We left in 18 and it was 10 years, so it would have been May of 2008. It was 10 years exactly from when I read that and realized we were in a cult to when we actually left. It was exactly a span of 10 years. Um, but it took a while, it took a while for me to even get up the courage to say anything to Jerry about it. And it, at that point, we thought our faith was in Christ, but it wasn't, it was in the brethren. Um, we didn't pray as a family. We didn't, we never prayed together. We, we went to meeting and we read ministry, but we didn't, basically we were brethren. We weren't Christian even though yeah. we thought we were Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, it was probably maybe maybe a year. Probably I lived with that inside me, and I didn't say anything to anyone. And I prayed. I prayed about it. I prayed. I really wanted, I wanted something to show me that it wasn't a cult. I wanted something to show me that it, because it would have been easier Mm -hmm. It would have been so much easier to know that it wasn't a cult, but everything, everything, I, I just, I couldn't see past that, that vision that I had. I couldn't, I just couldn't, but I prayed about it and I prayed and I prayed. And then it, probably a year later, I said something to Jerry about it. I was like, I don't know, it, something's not right. And he actually agreed with me at that point. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> like, you think that too? Whoa. And then, so then at that point is when our journey started kind of, and it was just a whole, it was, and this is what I say, like when God's timing for us is still is like, it's just, it makes me cry when I think about it. it all along, like starting from there, um, he had a, at that, by that time he was working for his uncle, um, Stanley Hughes in Nietzsche, and he had a really good job. And they were taking such good care of him. They they treated they treated him like family. They did. They he went to their house every day for lunch. He just he they whatever he needed they provided for him. Mm -hmm. It was they were wonderful, wonderful family. Um, and along that journey, we were like, but we can't ever leave because you have such a good job. There's no way we can leave that job. Like, what are we gonna do? And and all along, like I was. I prayed a lot, never, we'd never prayed together at that point ever, but I was always praying and I was always asking God to show me the truth. But at that time, I was really hoping the truth was the brethren. I didn't really, I didn't really think the truth was, was not the brethren, but I always asked God to show me the truth, to show me his truth. And um, so after this big roadblock, of us possibly leaving, which was Jerry's really good job in Nietzsche. All of a sudden, in the dark of night, the brethren closed that shop, that job up. They closed that whole business up. Wow. In the night, in the dark of the night, Jerry came to work the next day and there was a note on his desk saying he needed to find a different job. And they, uh, I mean, probably a story for another time, but they, they took all the equipment, they hid it because they were basically, they were so far in the red. They owed people so much money. Anyway, 
so we went from having this cushion, this place of love and support to it wasn't there anymore. And they flipped a switch and started blaming Jerry for stealing stuff from the business. They said he stole a pickup. It was just so many things. Like I could go, we could talk about that for two hours and I don't want to, but um, so we went from starting to question whether we were in a cult or whether we were actually in a, in the right position more. And then this happened. And then instantly, instantly, we started being treated so awful. And I was like, what, why, what, like, what have we done? And this is not a system of care at all. Like the care, they were just terrible. There was no care. And then they were going to give him, they found Jerry another job because that's what they say. You know, mm -hmm. if yep. they're going to provide you in a, your job employment, um, and they did. They found him a job um, for another brethren guy. $20,000 pay cut and no insurance. Oh. At the same time, our tuition was going to be $1,400, $1,500 a month. I said, no, we can't do that. We, we can't. We can barely do it as, as it was, much less that. And I was like, how is this care? Uh, there's no care at all. Um, so that was a big, huge thing that helped us see that it wasn't any system that was that was right or that was Christian based would not have done any of those things. And I remember talking to another um, like another mom from Nietzsche. And telling her, like, just talking to her about it and saying, how is this, how is this Christian care? Like, how is it care? And she's like, well, it's not, it's not right, but you just have to know that God knows the truth and that's all that matters. And that hit me, but not in the way that she wanted it to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It hit me, it hit me in a different way. And, and that is what got us through that is knowing that God knows. And at that point, I, I could see pretty clearly what his truth was and it wasn't the brethren um and i knew we needed to go i knew we needed to leave and we, we couldn't support them anymore but i didn't know how i didn't know how i was gonna what were we gonna do how i didn't want to leave my house i didn't want i didn't want my kids to it was so hard so hard knowing that i was gonna take my kids out out there it was so hard and so scary i felt like the worst mom in the world taking them away from their grandma taking them away from all their friends and all their cousins taking them into this world that we didn't even know we didn't even know what it was and I just went, I remember going into my backyard and I looked up at the sky and I said, Jesus, please, please just let me stay here in this house. Just let us stay in this house, please. So there's one thing that's familiar, one thing that doesn't change for my kids and they can, they can keep their rooms. 
and they can keep their house. And at that time, I, I knew that it was impossible. I knew that it, there's no way, there's no way we could do it. I knew it. I, I just, I knew there was no way we could do it. And I, I was so depressed and so sad because it was like a vicious cycle of going to meeting and my kids would hear this stuff that was just crap. It was absolute crap in the name of God. And I hated it. And it was so dirty. And I would come over a meeting and I would tell him what he said wasn't right. Uh, that wasn't, that's not the truth. That's not the truth because we can look in our Bible and we can see what the truth is. And that's not what they were saying. And it was months and months of that. And it was awful. And it was so scary. And I was so torn because I knew that they were in a safety, a safety net, so to speak, in the brethren. But but they, it was so toxic and so wrong. And I wanted to raise them to love Jesus and to follow Jesus. And I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't tell them to follow Jesus because we had all these restraints and we had all these restrictions because we were in this toxic environment that followed a man. Like plain and simple. You can't follow, you can't be a, have two masters. Yeah. And so it was it was so hard. I don't know. I I was I knew it was impossible. I knew there's no way. There's no way we could leave and stay here. But it was possible because of Jesus. And what happened next is is my story that I I love. This part of my story. Um my mother and father in law were staying at our house at the time. They were living with us. They were living in they had our our bedroom suite and they were there for a year and jerry and i slept in the basement and we slept next to all the old ministry all of my ministry was downstairs in the basement and we slept next to that and we read that ministry and read it and read it and read it because i had heard i had heard that if you question anything to go back and read old ministry and it would help you and we did that and we read old ministry and it, it, we try i tried and i prayed and i tried to make it make sense to stay because it was as a mom it would have been so much easier to stay but it just didn't make sense and i and we just couldn't and i sat on that bed in the basement and i i sat on the edge of the bed and i said god i I'm going to give this to you because I don't know what to do with it, but I cannot take those kids back to one of those meetings. I can't, I cannot let them go back and I don't know what we're going to do. And I never took them back. And I think two days later, two days later, I think I had this vision, this weird thing that told me to go apply at the local UPS place because I knew that they had really good benefits. And with my, I have Crohn's disease and I'm diabetic and I have all sorts of medical stuff. And so we can't be without yeah. insurance. And 
So I went and applied there and I got a job right away. And I knew that we only had a year left because their benefits didn't start for a year, but I knew we only had a year left. And I said, I can maybe do it for a year, maybe. And within 30 days, it was, it was day 30. It was like God gave me this gift and it was wrapped in the prettiest paper, the biggest bow on it. And it, it was, I was offered a, a different position there for more money and benefits would start in 30 days. Wow. Wow. And I came home and I said, Jerry, I think we're out. I think we're out. Oh, it chills all over me. I think we got it because at that time, it was the insurance that was my big hang-up. I mean, money, you can get a job, which is another a big fear that we had. Um, but it, for me, it was insurance. So I knew within 30 days we'd have insurance for the whole family. Um, and soon after that, he went to his boss and told him, well, no, no, that's not what happened. So then, so I had quit taking the kids to meeting and I had stopped going. Jerry was still going to morning meeting, which is the, their communion they have each, each Sunday. Um, he was still going there because he didn't want to get fired. And we know, I mean, they say they won't fire you, but we all know the pressure that they would have had if he had stopped. So he was still going to morning meeting and we didn't know what to do. And, and again, we just, just prayed about it and prayed about it. And it was, it's, it's almost like you can make all these plans, but God's just going to laugh at you. So, because our plan was, our plan was to, for him to keep going to morning meeting until he found a different job. But again, it's like, where is he going to work and make even close to what he needs to make to make it all work out financially? So I didn't, you know, you, they tell you you're going to crumble and you're going to not be able to make enough money and you're going to lose your house and you're going to, your marriage is going to fall apart and your kids are going to just, and, and you believe it. Mm -hmm. Even though you, even though you know, even though you know how wrong their system is, you believe it because it's so ingrained in you and you believe all that crap and that's what it is is crap but um so he we he kept going to morning meeting and here's another one of those god things and it's it's not you can't describe it as any other way because we didn't know what to do um at the time all the brethren used bbm blackberry messenger mm -hmm. So it was during the night, it was a, it was, well, Saturday night we went and we went over to like the pastor that we knew what church we were going to go to. We went over to his house and we talked to him and his wife. We went there for supper, I think Saturday night. And we just talked to them for ages and ages and ages. And because we, we didn't really know, like, we didn't know how to cut ties and how to, how to move on without 
we were scared about Jerry losing his job, basically. And we weren't ready to step out in faith. Like that was a huge, a huge thing is to just, to just walk away from something like a job and your income when you have kids and you have payments, you need, you need, you need a job. So um, that night when I got home, I hadn't ironed his white shirt yet. And um, I said, are you going to go to morning meeting in the morning? Like even after that really awesome talk we had with the pastor. And he was like, I don't know. Um, well, that was okay. So the week before this, the week before this, he got, he was sick in the night. So it was during the night. He sent a message to the Greg Nishaw, the guy that locks the doors. Like he was, what did they call him? Um, attendance officer. So he sent a message to the attendance officer saying that he wasn't going to be there in the morning. And for some reason, that message wouldn't go through. It just had this red X on it and it wouldn't go through. And he, he rebooted his phone he, and the message wouldn't go through. And uh -huh. we were just like, whatever. I mean, we tried. The message didn't go through. I was like, we have the proof that we tried. Like you could see it. And so he didn't go to morning meeting that morning. And his, I think probably his dad or even maybe my mom, somebody called us and they were like, is everything okay? And we're just like, no, Jerry's sick because he had a fever. And they were like, oh, okay. And we said we tried to call. We tried to let them know. So they weren't standing there waiting. But the message didn't go through. And it didn't. And it, for whatever reason, it didn't go through. I don't know. And then the very next week was that Saturday we had gone to the pastor's house for supper. And that night when I came home, I was like, are you going to go to morning meeting? Like, if you are, I need to iron your shirt. And he was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to iron your shirt and go from there, I guess. And we set our alarm and it did not go off. Wow. It did not go off and it was set. And I looked at it and I was like, yeah, it was set. It was set for him to get up and it did not go off. Did not go. I mean, unless I shut it, uh, no, but it was on. I don't, unless I, I don't know. But we woke up at the probably six thirty, just enough past that you that couldn't we go. Were, mm -hmm. So that was two morning meetings in a row that he didn't go, and then that was it. We decided that was God made the decision for us, and he didn't go back. And that was May sixth. That was Martina's fifteenth birthday, and that's the day that we were out for good. Wow. Um, and then that, well, that week, he went and talked to, he went and talked to his employer and told him that he had left the brethren, that he wasn't going to go back. And he said, I am looking for a different job. So you don't have to worry about firing me, basically. And the employer was like, oh, no, I mean, you could stay here. Like, okay, sure. Like, I want to, <laughs> he was carpooling with brethren and everything. It was just not, not, not a good thing. Not anything he wanted to stay at. Um, so then he called this local trucking company that the guy who owns it knows the brethren. He grew up in Nietzsche. And he called him and he said, 
It's so ironic that you called me. We were just talking about we needed to add somebody else from your location. So he said, there's a truck down here with your name on it. You can start tomorrow if you want. Wow. And wow. it was the exact amount of money we needed to make to make up with my wage and his wage. It was just over what he was making. So it was just like we could stay here. We could the kids could have their house. They could just stay in their house that they've always known. And we didn't have to depend on the brethren at all. Wow. And it was, it was so scary, but it was. And I think some and, of the biggest changes we go through in life, whether we're in a cult or not, right? The biggest changes we go through are the ones that when we have to face the biggest fears, right? Like this is, I think the biggest obstacles any family comes against leaving the PBCC, it is financial. It is really financial. And it is yeah. also the next biggest thing is their fear of the kids. But I think it's exactly how you explain it. You explained it so perfectly of even though there's this feeling of safety in there, it's toxic. It's so toxic. Yeah. <clears throat> and my kids had a, like, even Jerry and I, it's not like we left because we had no friends. It's not like we were, tr I mean, the vast majority of, we had a lot of good friends. We had, we were close with our family. We had tons of good friends. We were treated well for the most part by people. But it got to be that point of you can't, you just can't serve two masters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you do have to give up the people you love. Mm -hmm. And it sucks. This reminds me a bit of Lynette Diener's story. She had the same similar story where she prayed and prayed and prayed about it for just that moment, right? Like she just wanted yep. to know in that moment. And that moment came, right? That yep. moment opened and it up. Does. Right? It does. You're, and so I hope yep. that this is another. I hope this is an inspirational story to those in there that this, these aren't just one-off experiences of being able to get out with your whole family. Like these are, there's multiple experiences out there of people who have done a very similar walkout to what you guys have done and mm -hmm. walked out with your faith. And not because we were disgruntled at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just because you knew it was wrong. Yeah. 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 Yep, it was so, it's it's just so wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, another hard, hard thing is the messages from your family saying, you're doing this because you hate me, and why do you hate us? And it's not that. It's, you love them so much, you just wish they could see the truth, too. But you can't stay in a place that's not good and not right for anyone, no matter how much you love them. And that's the hardest part. And they know that. And they know that the one thing we can't replace is family. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We can yeah. we can make as much money as we need. In fact, throughout my career at UPS, I've gotten multiple promotions where I'm like, I'm now making enough money that Jerry could quit working if he wanted to. So their lies of you're not going to make money are just lies. Mm -hmm, you can make mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. You can make money. Mm -hmm. You can. And you can raise your kids how 
you want to raise them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's not, it's just, it's all lies. It's just all lies. And when you start paying exorbitant amounts of tuition and you start, you know, these exorbitant demands to make donations to the Grace Trust, the Vision right. Trust, the the ministry, and you, you take away all those expenses, um, when you peel that all away, where does income, you know, sort of line up? We right. had this conversation with the New Zealand people last weekend, and they said, you know, everybody that wants to leave says they can't do it because of the money. But if you actually sit down with pen and paper and take off, you know, you're paying double for a UBT phone or, mm -hmm. you know, you're paying for Frank News, you're paying double for your your Internet through UBT. If you actually sit down and figure that all out, you wouldn't have to make near as much money as they are paying you. They're paying you extra so they can strip that back basically and you don't you don't have to have company and feed them <laughs> extreme amounts of expensive food there was so yep. many times we had to have break and i didn't have the money i put it on a credit card whereas yep. if i wanted to have company now and i didn't have the money i'd be like i don't have the money i'm not having company exactly yeah 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 that's a really good point yeah 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 so How when you factor all that in it makes it a lot more um probable that you will make it but that right. you have to kind of, that's one of the things that you have to really look in the face and go, wow, okay, not paying $1,400 a month tuition, I'm going to let the kids go to public school. And public school, um, as long as you're not in a school with a bunch of brethren, is doable because kids do fine in it. If you go they to a school do. with a bunch of brethren, you're going to school with a bunch of bullies. <laughs> so the brethren school thing is another thing for us. We... um. Wilson was in, he did, he was done fourth grade. He was almost done fourth grade. And the teacher called me and she's like, he couldn't read. And she said, um, I think we're just going to hold, we're going to have to hold him back. We can't, we can't move him to the next grade. And I was like, okay, well, what's your plan? You didn't teach him this year. What's your plan? When you hold him back, what are you going to do different? And they didn't have a plan. And at that point she told us, she's like, he's really not one of the kids that they want us to teach. And she said, she said from one mom to another, you need to get him out of here right now. Oh. You need to get him out of the school. And we did, we put him into the brethren school and it was a big issue, but within three months he was reading fluently mm. in fifth grade. He didn't need to be held back just to be bullied. He didn't mm. need to. But it's pretty crazy when public school, um, in my case, it was a public school principal that said, you need to get your kids out of this school. The brethren yeah. are killing your kids, yeah. literally killing your kids. And, mm -hmm. and, and I remember her looking at me and she was like, your kids are perfectly normal kids. There is no rationale behind it. But the brethren are attacking them. They are literally um, going to cause long term harm to your kids. Mm -hmm. She said, I will sign the papers. I will send them to whatever school you choose. And I was like, yep, done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we weren't the uh, anything. It was the Brethren School where the principal said they didn't really want to teach your son. So you took him out, put him in public school. Is that right? Yeah. She. So after we left, another teacher explained to us that 
the school board, which is all brethren, yeah, would decide who they wanted to like boost up basically and who they wanted to put the resources into because those people, those kids were going to be the ones to take over the businesses. Okay. Yeah. So oh. my son wasn't one of those ones that they wanted to put any resources into, I guess. Because they, they always talk about, I mean, they've got these weird brethren, the language of their own. They don't talk about the school children. They always call them the potential, the potential. But <laughs> obviously some of them are the potential and the others are, what they would, and this is actually a brethren term, charity cases. Or forklift drivers was one thing they would yeah. call them. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, that, that's just, that's really sad. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how, how did your kids transition? Let's, let's get into the transition of your children going from inside the PBCC to outside. How was that transition for you? It was really hard. It was really hard and that. It's one thing that I've kept private, probably more so, um, because I didn't I didn't want them to see that we were struggling at all, and maybe I shouldn't have, mm -hmm. but it was hard, especially for Martina, being the oldest one. She was in there the longest. She still struggles really bad with like an anxiety. She's mm -hmm. doing super good. She's doing really good. And she's she's married to the person she chose to marry. She's having a baby with the person she chose to marry by herself. They didn't have to ask anybody. They could fall in love and they could get married or they could not get married. They could make that choice themselves. And that was really, that was a big thing for me to see that because I have one of my best, one of my best brethren friends is in a terrible marriage. And I have a sister in a terrible marriage. And it just breaks my heart. Oh, that's oh, my so cute. I know. <laughs> um, it breaks my heart to see people in marriages like that. And there's, they can't get out. They're just trapped. They're trapped in their life. They're trapped in their marriage. They're just trapped. And all they have is alcohol. Yeah. And depression medicine. They don't even, they can't even have Jesus. They can't. If that's, even if that's what they want, they can't have Jesus because they're, they don't, they can't see that. Um, but for her, it was the hardest. I think because she was in there the longest and she saw, she watched us go through. She watched me lose my mom, who I was so close to. She watched me lose my sisters. And she takes it all in. She's got the biggest heart. Mm -hmm. um, she takes it all in and she feels my pain. She shouldered all that for a long time. She still does. She hurts when I hurt. But she felt, you know, taking a kid, she was 15 and putting them into a public school. It was hard. Um, and she struggled. She was, she struggled a lot. We got her into therapy. I believe she still goes to therapy, but I don't even know, actually. 
she's super private about stuff. But then my son, um, so Martina had, not only did she have it rough because of her personality, like she's super anxious, but also I was such a helicopter mom and I was so scared <laughs> to let my kids do anything. They wanted to hang out with just good kids from town and I wouldn't let them. I just like made them stay in the house, made them hang out with us. And looking back on it, I wish that I wasn't like that. Like I wish so bad I would have just let them live their life, but I had to work through all that fear myself. Yeah. And like I was just talking to Martina about it the other day. She said, she's like, we all were thrown into it at the same time, but we were all thrown into different situations. Like she was thrown into a public school and trying to find new friends. And by ninth grade in a small town, everybody has their friends. Yeah. Like you're going to be the outsider no matter what. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was difficult, but th this town knows the brethren and honestly i can't imagine i can't imagine doing this in a big city where people don't know what you're going through this town was so welcoming to us it was amazing everybody was there to just guide us like even the teachers they all knew what we were coming from and it, she did really good in school she when we realized her the brethren school transcripts didn't transfer properly or something something happened with that i wanted to sue them over it but i decided i'm just not gonna um so she ended up having to redo her whole ninth grade because we put her into ninth grade in march so she only had two months left of ninth grade but she ended up having to redo that whole ninth grade the next year so she was she, she always had a lot of school to do, but she graduated second to the top in her class. Wow. So she, wow. she did so good in school. She graduated with honors. And it's so funny because um, right before we left, I can't even remember what was going on. She was the school the school was failing her she had she had f's she she had a 17 percent in math this is an osg yeah 23 percent and something else and i was like this isn't this isn't her she's intelligent she's and i don't even remember what happened but some somewhere along the line um jerry's uncle messaged us and they wanted us to send Martina out to Connecticut to live with them <laughs> and go to their school. I was like, okay, no. He said to put a 16 year old into a, to put a 16 year old virgin into a public school is the stupidest idea he'd ever heard of. Oh. And I was like, I was like, dude, number one, she's 14 and you're stupid because. Yeah. They just assume she's just going to go start screwing everybody. Yeah. And yeah, she was going to be pregnant and on drugs within six months. Is what they said for her. Wow. And They're so irrational yeah. with reality. They just do not understand 
reality out here. And I think that's why they come up with the lies they come up with in there is because they have this view and perception of the outside world that is so, it's so wrong. But it's it's also because they sexualize everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everything to them is sexualized. Like they don't even have a clue how to have a normal relationship with someone of the opposite sex. They just, they don't because they're so segregated all the time so that when they are together, everything is sexualized. Yeah. So he, obviously Martina is going to go to public school and just have sex with everybody is what they thought. But it isn't that way. And it doesn't have to be that way. No. Your kids can flourish beyond your wildest imagination mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i am here as living proof of that because watching my kids and seeing seeing them grow and choosing choosing um you know choosing christ for themselves it's not something that even I push on them, the choosing, choosing how they want to live and they can, because it's, it's a free, free world. And they have that, they have that opportunity and they're so cute and they're so happy. What would you say is some of the biggest tools that you could offer to other families or other moms that really want to do this, but are afraid of this transition of going from there to out there? Like what were some of the tools that, that, that you find you could pass on to other people? Um, I would say biggest for us was stay close together. Yeah. Stay close. Um, it's so weird to have time to be able to spend with your kids. It's so weird. You go from you go from this environment of you can't take time for your kids. Not healthy time. You can't take a weekend and go camping with them. And even now it's so weird. I can just I can stop what I'm doing. I can take the time I need. And I think that is huge. You can you can take the time just be with them. Just be with them is what is is what I would I think and you can you can do that. You're not you're not catering to in the brethren it's like you're catering to someone else constantly. Constantly because if you're not if you're not having company you're going to meeting or yeah. you're doing both. Um mm-hmm. a huge thing for me uh throughout my whole like being diagnosed with Crohn's and stuff they were so awful in there they didn't believe it number one um no help no help you were expected to still have company no matter what or find someone to have your company for you well if you're sick as a dog with Crohn's disease on Saturday no one's going to want to just jump and have your company and so you kill yourself you kill yourself to do it and i did that and sometimes when i'm having a really bad flare-up or i'm having just anything medically i 
I think back on that and it makes me mad. It just makes me mad. I had a hysterectomy. I think maybe it was a, I think it was a Tuesday. Maybe I had it the following, not the next day, but the following Wednesday, I stayed home from meeting. I was still bleeding. I was in the bathtub in so much pain and bleeding and scared because you're not supposed to still be bleeding at that point. But, and Jerry came home with my list of company for that weekend. And I don't even, I don't think I ended up having it, but I can't remember. But it was just, it was, they treated you so horrible if you said no, that you just did it. Yeah. No matter what you were going through. I was, there was days where I would be in the bathroom. All the company was in my house. And they would come and knock on the door and ask me like, is there something I can be doing or it's like, yes, leave. Like, mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. sick. I don't want 25 people in my house right now. My gravy's burning. My food's disgusting by that point. And it's, but you did it. You had to do it. Mm -hmm. You had to kill yourself to cater to them. Yeah, self-care is not so an option. Wrong. In there. Nope. Yeah, nope. no self-care. No. Unless you were Hales. And I was privileged to talk to one of Bruce Hales's daughters that also had Crohn's disease and she would be an encouragement to me. But you know what I found out from her? She has somebody doing her laundry. She never had to have break and she had somebody bringing them a meal every night. <laughs> you just had the yeah. wrong last name that started with I an did. H. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was, you know, so there was a couple times. What's that? So looking back, would you, what would you change about, you know, when you left or how you left or is there anything you would change? I wouldn't because to me, God's timing is absolutely perfect. And yeah. this is another thing Martina and I were both talking about. I, if we would have left before, because we were going to leave three years before that. Yeah. And it just wasn't it wasn't the right timing. And I had like, I cracked up. I, I don't know if it was a nervous breakdown. I don't know, but I was just like, I can't do it. I can't leave my family. I can't leave my mom. I just can't, I can't do it. So I just, at that time, I would just pray that God knew that I, I'm just not strong enough. And I wasn't. And I think that if we would have tried to leave, we would have failed. I think we would have failed. And so to me, timing, is perfect and if it is something that you are convinced is right and if it's something that you if it's something that you if you know it's right it will happen for you it mm -hmm. will mm -hmm. we don't yeah. you don't know when but it will happen and yeah. god will provide everything you need and more yeah. lots more yeah, it's I not wouldn't. that it's not going to be scary because it is the scariest thing you'll do in so all life. <laughs> um, I was talking one time. I was talking to Rose um, Symington about it, and she described it as having this supernatural strength. And I was like, "That is exactly what it is." Because even now, when I think about it, I don't think I'd have the courage to do it again. 
but it's this, it's this super, it's this. And, and she said, she's never had it again. And I, I've never had it again, but we had it. We had this, like this supernatural. And I, that's the only way I can, it, to me, that's a perfect description because it's, it's, you can't, it's not anything that you're doing yourself. It's yeah. after, right after we left. So we left in May and very beginning of June, we started going to a local church in town because I wanted them to know that it was simply moral. It was nothing. We had no bad blood with anybody. It was not like we were mad at somebody. It was simply moral is the only reason we left. And so we started going to this local evangelical free church and the pastor there was amazing and he knew he knew he knows the brethren and i don't know i don't know he just had this way about him the, his teaching was just phenomenal and i just remember sitting in those sermons and just i just cried and cried because i just wanted my mom to hear them like i just wanted her to hear the truth because she's never heard the truth. They've never heard the truth in there. And they never will. But I remember sitting in one Sunday service and I looked down on my hand and I could see the sun, the sun was shining on my hand. And it just struck me like they even block God's light out of their yeah. meeting rooms. It's it's so sad that it's so sad that they think that they're so right and that they are going to get a better place in heaven for treating us like that. Mm -hmm. I just I can't I can't wrap my head around it even though I at one time thought that. Mm -hmm. I can't I can't imagine how I thought that, but they do. Yeah. That's what they believe. And, and I think, think it's that, important for everybody who has one foot in and one foot out right now to understand that the, the, the fear is worth facing. The fear is so worth facing. The heartache is worth facing. And we are not out here saying that our lives are the most immaculate thing ever. We, everybody out here, every ex-member still walks through grief, still walks through heartache, still walks through trials and tribulations. The mm -hmm. thing is, is it's, you've got the freedom out here on how to handle and you have choices on what to, what to do with these trials and tribulations. The one thing that I have to say, you never get over, you never get over the loss of the family. You just don't, you just don't. I'm 30 years out. I still cry for my family. I still will have things that come up and I, that trigger me. And deep down, what I'm really crying for is I'm crying for the loss of a mom that I just, I, if I, I want to call and talk to the person that birthed me, that can give me the advice I need, that is advice unhinged from what she's been indoctrinated into and mm -hmm. that's the part that never goes away um yeah. but the fear is still worth facing the grief is still worth facing because the more people that face this indoctrination and step outside of it is the more that we will make the momentum that we make on this side in having change happen and i'm truly 
still to this day, 110% believe that change can happen in there. Whether that is them completely falling on their faces in there and having to rebuild or it falling on the faces in there and everybody finding what you speak of, Alana, same as Carmen, same as these people who you have found these churches of true Christianity, and it's completely different than what you've, what you've, what you've experienced. Like to me, I just, when we hear people say, you know, we've got to be careful of how we do this because if there's, if this all crashes, like what's going to happen to people? I'm like, you know, what's churches that are out here that are true Christian churches are going to pick up these pieces. They're going to yeah. pick up these people. You're going to find yourself sitting in a pew in a church, completely feeling what true Christianity should feel like. Yeah. And it's it feels amazing. And it, there's not even a little smidgen of that in there. Not even a tiny, tiny little bit. Yeah. If it is, it's hidden by people yeah. who are scared of it, which is so sad. Mm-hmm. but they know that they know that they know that you can't get your mom back and they know that you can't get your family back mm-hmm. and so that's why that's the one thing every other rule has changed i see people drive by my house all the time or on bikes or walk by with jeans on they all have tvs mm-hmm. short hair short yeah. hair they wear makeup they yeah everything i mean they smoke i've seen brethren openly smoking the amount of like extramarital affairs in there is is staggering yeah 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 because they don't respect they don't respect women and as much as they want to sit here and say in all the news articles that they've been putting out lately that you know separation is not a thing Right. We have account after account after account after account where we know that is absolute BS. That is so not tr- true. So not true. I, if they want to say that, I have many, 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 many text messages that I could show them that have just gone unanswered. When I told my mom I had a, tar- a heart attack, she said, thanks for letting me know. Wow. That's all. Um, when I told her that she was going to be a great grandma, which to me, I, I think that would be exciting. Mm-hmm. Just sent me a thumbs up. <sighs> and the thing that sort of strikes me when you're talking about what you're seeing, that, you know, the brethren are now doing all these things that they condemned is that it makes a nonsense of separation anyway. Because, you know, when I was a kid, the brethren were genuinely quite unworldly and they didn't have a lot of the problems that existed in the outside world. So it sort of made sense to keep separate. But now they're doing everything that the world does. And more. Worse things that the world does and more. So what are they keeping separate from exactly? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's you question them, and they don't, they don't. Yeah, they don't know. They have no answers. They're just doing it because, j- just to do it. They, they are doing the doing. Like and I mean, like the drug stories that we hear that go on inside there is mm-hmm. blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Like I mean, that's a whole podcast on its own. But 
I mean, these are insiders telling us and witnessing the 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 drug abuse that goes on in there. So this is yeah. not just us concocting up some story. These are actual insiders telling us stories of things that they have witnessed of people in rehab, people that need rehab and not for alcohol. Yes, alcohol too. But these are these are hardcore drug issues. Yeah. Now this is was, this is cocaine. Was, this is not yeah. even just weed. This is yeah. really, really nasty stuff. Crystal math. Right. Like, it's just crazy yeah. what's going on in there. Mm. Yeah, that it was starting. It was starting. There was kids like Des Moines was the big drug place. Like the Des Moines kids were so into drugs. And if I you know, I would say that to my mom. I would say, How can you you know, you say you separate from evil, but yet you, you know, my brother's an alcoholic, a raging alcoholic, and you'll drink with him. He's a liar. He's a sinner just like me. And you can drink and eat with him. And you can drink and you can eat with the guy that abused me when I was a little kid. You can have him into your house and you can sit right at the table and you can eat with him and you can talk to him and you can have fellowship with him. But you can't have fellowship with my eight-year-old daughter, mm -hmm. who's your granddaughter. It's, but they have they have nothing to say other than the fact that I'm lying. And I, I ask them what those lies are. I've never never heard what they are. I, that I would to love be to be their standard response, right? Like my sister was the same way when I approached her a year ago with everything that happened to me. It was like, Cheryl, I want you to understand that ninety nine percent of what you hear out there is lies. And then as I dove into all this stuff, because I sheltered myself for 30 years from all this, I've realized that no, 99% of what is said in there is lies. That We understand the truth more than they do. And I mean, I don't want to make it an us versus them thing. But the thing that we're trying to really bring out here is for myself as a mother, I am a helicopter mother. Still to this day, my kids have moved out, still a helicopter mother. I mean, um, I, my kids were more protected out here than had I got married in there and had kids in there. Like I have yeah. way more protection with the, the, the children out here and the kids out here. There's yeah. from what's going on in there, like families should be wanting to get up and walk out just to protect their children from the bullying, from the alcoholism, from the drug abuse, from, I mean, we, the pedophilia that we could, the list goes on and on and on and on. They have got you, they've got them believing in there that, it's way worse out here when it is not. It literally is not. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> it's funny. Even the last time, the last time I talked to Jerry's mom, six months ago, maybe not even. Um, she brought up the protection, and our kids have no protection. And I said they have God's protection. That's the yeah. best protection plan you can get. And she hung up the phone. Oh, she hung up the phone. Yeah. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear that Jesus exists. Yeah, because it's just Bruce Hales. It's just a man. And that's I think that's the biggest sign that it's a cult. I have no issue calling this a cult. Because when everything is related back to a man, and that man has all the power, it is a cult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when you're serving someone else, religiously yeah hearing you tell your story and 
um, emotionally conveying your message of everything that you went through. I really do believe that it will inspire families. I really, really do. I 100% think it will have a ripple effect in there. These are the stories that those families that are one foot in, one foot out are very much relying on. I mean, we get messages all the time of they, these people rely on these podcasts. They rely on these messages of inspiration to be able to keep going in there. And I think they all know that their time is coming, right? That time and those moments will show themselves. Yeah. 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 And that, 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 that time of waiting is so hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so hard because you're, you're walking two different directions in the same place. You're inside this toxic bubble trying to go two different directions Mm -hmm. and it's hard and it's not even, it's just, I mean, not even your faith, but it's everything you have to unlearn and then relearn. It's not just learning more stuff, it's unlearning. And that is, I think that, I don't know if that will ever stop the unlearning. So many lies that you, like even just stubbing your toe, it's fun. So my son, he races dirt bikes um, and uh, back in July, he had an accident and it wasn't even a bad accident. Like he didn't wreck his bike, nothing happened, but he broke his collarbone really bad, really, really bad. And he had to have surgery and it was a couple months of, it was hard. Cause he likes to, he likes to be doing stuff and it was hard. And n- not one time, not one time did I think oh, it's cause we're being bad. And yeah. that's the first time that that didn't come into my head. And I was so happy about that, almost weirdly happy about his accident because of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. this is so cool. It mm-hmm. didn't happen because we're bad. And it didn't happen because he's bad. And it didn't happen because the Lord is speaking lightly, like my mom told him. It mm-hmm. happened because these things happen. Exactly. That happens. Life, life happens. Yes, life happens. life happens. And even if he were to have been killed on that bike... It was because that was his time to go. Yeah. It wasn't because we serve this God who's angry and vindictive and trying to trying to teach us a lesson all the time. It was it, it happened because it happened. And it's so weird to not have that be the first thought that comes into your head when like even I would even get like literally I would get like a paper cut at work and I'd be like <gasps> What did I do? What did <laughs> I just do? So that- and it does take a while to unlearn that part of it, yes. right? It does. And I do think, I, I, I think this is super important. I'm still in therapy 30 years later, still unlearning. They And you know, a lot of, I mean, I would love to have psychologists and therapists on here explain the process of the brainwashing. And when, when, when that brain, when you're indoctrinated really early and it governs those first very crucial years of your life those those um receptors are constantly firing those messages right so subconsciously we're always having to unlearn things that we learned especially in those first 13 14 years of our life and i have to say it's just one of those things that you have to stay on top of 
right? You therapy is so important after leaving yeah. the brethren. It's so important. Yeah. Whether you get that therapy through a pastor, whether you get it through a psychologist, whether you get it through a psychiatrist, whether you get it through group therapy, therapy is absolutely important. And mm. you'll have years where it's like, wow, I feel, I feel, I feel like how I should feel. It's kind of like all those puzzle pieces have been put back together. And you're like, wow, I feel like how I think I was created to feel. And then right. come along, right? I mean, I went through my husband having a heart transplant. I did all these things that just, it throws you off, throws you off, and throws you off. And those re receptors in your brain go back to old ways of learning. And then you've got to get back on the wagon of unlearning again. And that is something that I think anybody who's been in a cult or been born into a cult and had that really early programming will always have to do. So it's not about just unlearning it and you're free. It is one of those things that we always have to be on top of. And I mean, it's everywhere in society, right? It's not just in cults. It's everywhere where society has created humans to be a certain way. And we're often trying to find different ways to be because we want to stay true to our own being. We want to stay true to our own soul, right? And so what the, the point I'm trying to make is therapy. So, so important when you leave is to have therapy to start that process of unlearning. And there is a lot of people out there that, um, have written books and have gone specifically into that training for undoing that brainwashing and indoctrination within cults. And we it's hope almost to do more brain podcasts. damage. It's yes, almost it's, it's a brain damage. One hundred percent, it is. Yeah, yeah. And you can't, you can't be yourself in there. And no. I think that was another. That was another. Another fear that. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, but my fear was what if I become my true self and Jerry becomes his true self and we don't love each other. Oh, yeah. And that was my, that was a big fear, but thankfully it was, it, it was the opposite. Like we, we grew to love each other more and um, we kind of, kind of, we started over together and we kind of, grew together mm -hmm. you know i mean so i mean i guess that's a it's a possibility it really sounds I'm, though that you guys had a lot of love for each other at the very beginning right like that wasn't one of these you know a man looking at somebody across the meeting room and being like i want to marry her this sounds like you had real raw love for each other yeah, yeah and that makes yeah. a big difference that makes a big difference yeah, yeah, it does. And there's more and more, there's so many marriages I hear about that there was one girl that reached out to us right after we left and she wanted to leave. And I was talking to her and she was going to leave. And all of a sudden she didn't, she was just gone. And they had found basically found out she was getting or she wanted to leave and they married her off Aww. and found some guy that she said yeah she would marry and she's married to him and i haven't talked to her since but knowing what knowing what she, i know she's she felt and believed i don't understand how she's happy 
Because once you see the truth, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know yeah. that she's in there, married, probably not happy. And if if there's one, there's hundreds. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I agree. I want to I want to end off with just some pictures reminiscing the pictures of how far you've come. <laughs> um my cute little kids with their scarves on. Yeah, this is what we're oh, going to Oh, my puppy. Oh yeah, this is and this is I mean this is this is the whole reason. There's just nothing better than oh my goodness, the unconditional love of laying in bed with an animal. <laughs> yeah. they just saw you. Your heart out and they know that you need that like look at the love pouring out of this 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 puppy's eyes uh, <laughs> and to think to think that that's wicked in there it's I, yeah how it, it, it boggles my mind yeah but yeah, yeah there's Bodie. <laughs> oh man my heart that's yeah. their school uniform. That's the other thing you have to buy is their school uniforms. <laughs> How far you've come, hey? Such a long time ago. <laughs> rush into meeting. We were always, you're always in a rush in there. You can't ever stop and take a breather. And just constantly that's really a, a cult tactic though right that is a cult so you don't have time to look into yeah. anything yeah. yeah keep you busy 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 that is the point that is the point thank you so so much for coming on and inspiring other families to be able to do what you did thank you for letting me it was such I an really honor. I was so blessed when you messaged and were like, yeah, let's do this. I was just, I was so grateful just because it's such an inspiring story. Every time a full family gets up and leaves, even though it's rocky, but you get yourself situated out here, grounded, and you've got a flourishing life. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing, um, Almost everyone asks me when when they reach out and talk about they want to leave, but they're scared. And I remember asking people the same thing. And what it is, do you have you ever regretted it, even for a second? And I can honestly say never. Not even, when, not even when you're the lowest that you could possibly be, missing your family. You know, I see my my family in town. We live in a tiny little town, and my mom lives two blocks away from us. So when my sisters are here from out of town, I see them. Mm -hmm. And I know how much fun they're having, and I know how close they are. And I know all the love that's in that house. And I still don't regret it. Not at all. There's just, like, no amount of money, no amount of anything that would ever make you step foot back into that toxic environment once you have experienced what freedom really is and watched your kids flourish is yeah. my big thing and it was my scariest thing but it's my best the best best part of leaving has been the scariest and that was taking my kids out here and giving them a life that they get to choose right they get to choose their life now 
their life path. They get to listen to who they are and yeah, be guided by their Christian faith versus a man. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the families that they have found have become our families. Mm -hmm. And that scripture about God replacing, you know, if you leave family, he'll replace it. He's so true. You know, he'll replace your family. Your mom, you're never going to get your mom back. and You're never going to get your sisters back. But he replaces it with so much other loving families. Um, there's so Wilson's girlfriend's family have just, they just, they took us in three hmm. years ago and they have, they have grandparents that have become our grandparents. That's just beautiful. The biggest, most loving family. And same with Martina's family that she's married into. It's just this big, loving family that they just accept us. And they just include us. And it's just, it, I could not be happier that I made that choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And made it while your kids were all together. Yeah. That's my one thing I always tell everybody that asks. If you have a chance to do it, do it when you have all your kids. Because there yeah. couldn't nope. be anything worse than the thought of leaving one inside or having one leave and you've got one on the outside and you're left inside. Like that is the most torturous thought I could have ever have thought of. Yeah, we were so lucky. So lucky. You know, even in two more years, Martina could have, even in another year, she could have been in love with someone and she would have. Yeah. 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 We could have lost her. Yeah. But timing is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Timing is. is everything. Yeah. 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 Mm. I'm excited. I hope that, I hope that people know they can reach out and they do. A, a lot of people do reach out and it's, you hear from them for a couple months and then you don't. And it's, I, I've walked that same road. It took us 10 years from the time we realized to when we got out, it was exactly 10 years. And that's a lot of, a lot of reaching out and then falling off the wagon. And, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and are you easily reachable on social media? Yeah. Okay. So just so people know that, that, that yep. you are reachable on social media. Yeah. yeah. People reach out to me through Facebook. Okay. Perfect. I've had a few people on Instagram, but I'm mostly Facebook, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's good. It's, it's, it's nice when, when we have our guests on here, when they offer that, because a lot of people will relate to your story and often reach out. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. And I hope they do. I hope they continue to. And I hope that more people know that they can, um, that I'm a safe place for them to reach out to. Perfect. Thank you so much, my dear. It was such yeah, a blessing you having you on here. All right. Thank you. Take Thank care, you. everyone. Until next time. Bye. If you are in a high-demand religious group and need help, please go to alloflief.network. To share your story or be a guest on the show, email info.getalife at proton.me. Please remember to like this video, subscribe to get a life and comment.